0: We're going to be in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning, if you want to turn there. Say a word of thanks again to those who fed Charlie's family and uh, took care of that yesterday. It meant a lot to Charlie, and and that's a good thing. We've had so many uh, that uh, we have helped in the last month that uh, it's been just a November that's just been full of tragedy, and so... I appreciate all your hard work in ministering to those families and continue, continue to pray for them. Now, I announced this on, a, I guess, a Wednesday night or, I don't know, a Sunday something. That we're going to grow stashes for Jesus, okay? Elizabeth said mine is up to being looking like the Frito Bandito, so we're, <laughs> we're making progress. I'll take that. Someone said, I'm not cutting my beard. Don't cut your beard. Okay. Somebody said, uh, I'm not going to grow a beard, but leave yourself clean shaven. But next week, I'm going to have a little sign-up sheet. Maybe you look better without any hair. I don't know. They can vote for you instead of the rest of us, uh, Harry. Uh... How do I want to put that? Uh... <laughs> we better leave that alone, okay? But uh, it'll be $10. dollars that will go towards uh, missions for the kids' camp next year. And if you want to vote for somebody you think looks good, it's 2 bucks. And so you turn, your, your little, just turn in two bucks with a note, I'm voting for so-and-so. At the end of that time, we'll recognize the one who either looks the best or the worst or somewhere in between, okay? But participate because it's a good thing. Even if you say, I can't grow a beard or I can't grow a mustache, just participate. Say, I'm going to be clean-shaven, you know, or I'm not cutting my beard. I don't care. Uh, we're doing this uh, to raise money for the kids for camp. And uh, so I want you to participate, if at all possible, guys. And ladies, if you want to participate, (laughs) we're not going to discriminate about you, but uh, I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Okay? See, Elizabeth isn't here this morning. I can act up. Say good to me. Yeah, I got to remember Bobby's back here. He's shaking that finger like she would be. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. I wanted to look at a Christian perspective this morning, a Christian perspective. Paul says this to us, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such a great crowd on a Sunday morning. Thank you for the Thanksgiving season. And Father, just thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and worship you. Father, calm our hearts and our minds to the power of your Holy Spirit Make your word come alive. Let it go forth and accomplish what you want it. Focus us on Jesus this morning. You've told us that if we gather in his name, you'll be there, so we know you're here. You've told us if he would be lifted up, he would draw men and women, boys and girls to himself. And we want to focus and lift him up. And Father, speak to our hearts in such a way that we'll be obedient to you, not just forgetful hearers, but faithful doers of your word. As you do this, we'll leave praising your name because you alone deserve all the praise and glory and power. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I remember uh, going to New Mexico the first time to meet my uh, future uh, son-in-law's parents. And we stayed there and it was the hottest summer on record and nobody has conditioned air. That's air conditioning, y'all. And uh, so we went out on a mesa one morning, and, and they were showing you know up on this mesa, this tall, flat thing. And you could look out and just see for miles and miles. And he said, you see the Rockies right over there? It's sort of hazy and sort of a little bit of clouds. You couldn't really I just don't see them. He said, we'll try again later in the week. And we came back a couple of days later, really early in the morning. And, and, and it was so clear, and you could see those mountains rising purple in the distance. I mean, it gave a whole new meaning to how far you could see when he told me they were several hundred miles away. And I thought, what a view. And you see, as far as the Christian perspective, I could have called it what a view of life. You know, how do we see life, I think, is often determined uh, on what we're living for. See, Paul wants us to know that faithfully living for Christ changes life's Perspective. Faithfully living for Jesus changes life's perspective. Here's here's what I mean. Uh, Gandhi, uh, that Hindu leader, uh, the one who was a pacifist. The last year of his life was filled with writing in his journal. And one of the last entries said this. All around me is darkness. For the first time in 50 years I feel no hope. I don't know what I'm going to do. We could go to P.T. Barnum. Uh, The Last night of his life, he died with one question on his lips. What were today's receipts at the greatest show on earth? We could go to uh, R.G. Lee on his deathbed raising his hands and saying, I see the lights of glory. And it's more wonderful than I ever imagined. Or you could come to the life of Paul. Where he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And there's laid up a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. See, when we faithfully live life for Christ, it changes our perspective. And so, what do you see when you think about life? And I'm going to mention some things from this scripture. First of all, I think when we see life from a Christian's perspective, we have a grand view of what life really is. We have a grand view of what life really is. Look at verses 6-8 through again with me. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is, hand, is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on that day. Paul had a view of life. And, and we need to remember what he saw. You see, for Paul and what we should be, life is a cause to which one is committed. Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage his young minister, his spiritual son in the faith. Paul is in a Roman prison, in a dungeon. He is, has no hope of release. He has resigned himself to the fact that he is going to die. And all through 2 Timothy, he's encouraging Timothy and us to devote ourselves to the cause of Jesus Christ, to kingdom work, because that's what really matters. He had spent 30 years now living the Christian life and being persecuted for Jesus. And at the end, he said, it was worth it. Your life has to have a cause. What are you living for? He says, I'm already being poured out. I'm already. You see, He was in the present tense looking to the future tense. What about you? If you feel like that life is you chasing your tail like a dog? Do you feel like life is just one big zoosh after another? Do the walls come tumbling in on a regular basis? It's time to lift up your head and look to the one you're supposed to be living for. Not only that, life is a struggle against opposition. He said, I have fought the good fight. See, Paul saw life like a warfare. He uses uses, uh, uh, sports terms here. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul was an armchair quarterback is what he would have been in our day. He liked the games. We know that he obviously wasn't that way, but he liked it. And he thought that life was against opposition. In other words, their enemies outside the church, their enemies inside the church. They are they they oppose Paul and his work efforts for the church. They're going to oppose us. We need to understand something in this life. We will have trouble, but Jesus said, "Be of good cheer. I've overcome this world." Amen. This isn't all there is. You see, the tempter came to Paul at different times getting him to try to quit three times I asked the Lord to remove this thorn in my flesh and he said my grace is sufficient for you and left Paul right where he was I want you to hear me you're going to hear that you're not going to hear this on TV and radio very often sometimes God leaves us in the circumstance we are in because he has a purpose to lean on his grace and to learn to trust Him. But we have life's perspective when we lift up and we remember that life uh, can sometimes be a warfare, and it is a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. That's why he told us to put on the whole armor of God. Never forget that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Your battle is to be done with the Word of God and with Prayer. Never forget that, just as my battle is and Paul's battle was. But, see, life wasn't just a cause to commit one to. It wasn't just a struggle against opposition. Life is a game to play. What do you mean a game to play? That's a terrible view, Brother Gary. But, you see, he said, Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. You see, Paul saw them give out the laurel wreaths at the races. Those laurel wreaths, they would struggle, they would fight, they'd put all their energy into winning the race because that represented you were one of the champions of Rome. Even though it faded away and we we, we struggle, we play a game uh, to win it all. You see, I think when Paul is talking about those things, he's not just talking about, you know. Uh, that it's just, oh, me, it's it's, it's so hard. I think he's talking about the effort, the discipline, the consistency of keeping on, keeping on. You see, they had to train his athletes to win those races. Those races were important to them because if you won those races in certain games, you didn't pay taxes anymore. I might even start running for that. (laughs) But I doubt it. See, but sometimes we just don't get the point because of our view of Jesus. We we forget that we're supposed to have a grand view of life because we belong to the one who's the Lord of life, not of death, but of life. But we don't get the point. It's sort of like the fellow who was trying to rehabilitate his friend who was an alcoholic. And so he he got one of them earthworms like Sandy grows, and he put it in a glass of water. He just... Wiggled and wiggled and wiggled and he took it out and he put it in a glass of beer and it died. He said, do you get the point, John? John said, yeah, if I don't drink lots of beer, I won't have worms. <laughs> John didn't get the point. Now listen to me. What view of life do you possess? Do you realize that life can be wonderful because we have a Savior that walks with us through it? I didn't say it wasn't hard. I didn't say it was absent of problems. but I said we have a grand view that this is all in the Lord's control and he will work it out as he promised for our good. Hard to see that sometimes, especially with the month we've had the last month. Our family's hurting. It breaks my heart. I know it does yours too. But you see, I have to trust God in that the view of life we possess is to be different than the world's because we belong to Jesus. The second thing that I see here, we have an encouraging view of what death really is. An encouraging view of what death really is. He says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. First thing I want you to know, death is an inescapable experience. The last time I checked, death claims 100%. Unless Jesus come back, and he could, unless he comes back and interrupts the process, we are all going to die. But you don't have to be afraid of it. You see, he told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. I say this by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to the coming day of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up in the air to meet them. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. You see, we don't have to fear death if you're a Christian. Now, I want to take a little side note here. If you haven't accepted Christ, hear me. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, you should be very afraid to even walk out the door of the church today. Death is something to fear if you're going to fall into the hands of an angry God and try to justify yourself before Him when He sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place to pay for our sins, which we cannot pay for because we are unholy sinners. And he was perfect and shed his blood as the Lamb of God. And all we have to do is repent of our sins and place our faith. Give our lives to him. Make him Lord of our lives and Savior of our lives. And God said, I will save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then you don't have to fear death. So, death is an inescapable experience, but I... I also want you to know death is a welcome liberator. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. The time of my departure is at hand. He knew he was going to die. Time there is not just a specific day or an hour. It's an epoch of time. He said, I've come to the place in my life where God has me and it's time to go home. Then he said, the time for that departure is at hand. Now I want you to hear me not get lost in this. The word departure there means four things for Paul and four things for us as Christians. The first thing departure means, it means like a yoke of oxen that would be plowing in a field. In our, in our day, in Arkansas, we'd say a couple of mules plowing in the field, and they get come to the end of a long, hot, sweaty day, and they unhook them. They are released from their striving from their work. And for Paul, my work is finished. I'm going to be released. Isn't that what the Bible says when it says in Revelation fourteen thirteen, 13, Blessed are the dead who die from now on in Christ as the Spirit. Yes. In other words, yes, they're blessed. Because they're free from their labors and their work shall follow them. Their labors have ceased. And there's coming a day when our work is done. Our life has been lived. And Paul says, that day is my liberator. The second thing that it means is this. It means to release, like taking the chains or shackles off of a prisoner. See, death to Paul was the ultimate liberator. He was truly free to be with Jesus, to see him face to face, the one he loved and served and suffered so much for. You ever felt the weight of sin? You ever felt... Man, I gotta get I gotta get to God. I gotta confess this. I gotta get this off my my chest, or however you want to say it. But see, there's coming that day when those chains are gone. And we're free with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. Paul said, I'm looking forward to that. That's my departure. The third thing it means is is to take up tent pegs. Now, a lot of us have decided that camping isn't in tents anymore. Praise the Lord. We take up those tent pegs and we pack everything up and we go. And see, Paul was a tent maker while he was a pastor. And he would take up those tents and move to another city. Take up those tents and move to another city. But now he's taking up his earthly tent. The pegs are going to be released. And he's headed for his heavenly home. And if you're in Christ, when that day comes, you're no longer tied down to this world. Tied up by this world. Castigated by this world. You're packing up. To go home to the real world, to our eternal reward. The last thing that this means, this this departure means, is this. It means to loose the mooring ropes on a ship. And it's not just so that you drift around, but it means that ship is sailing for a safe harbor and is going to arrive safely. Death is nothing to fear for the Christian because it takes me out of this hard existence to the presence of Jesus. Home, heavenly home, safe harbor. He's the anchor of our souls, y'all. Paul said, I know whom I have believed in and persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What have you committed to Jesus? Your eternal soul. Told somebody, he's telling me, I'm just going to think my way's right and your way's wrong. I said, I didn't know you were such a gambler. So What do you mean a gambler? I don't gamble my money away. Well. I said, No, you, you're doing worse. You're doing the biggest gamble of all time because you're gambling that you're right. And if you're right, I don't lose a thing. But if you're wrong, you lose everything. Hey, By the way, I know I'm right because <laughs> God said it. So you see, it's an encouraging view of death. But it's not just a welcome liberation. Death is a free act of worship. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. See, we don't understand that unless we've read a lot of the Old Testament. Numbers 15, 1 through 10, the Israelites were supposed to offer uh, an offering. They offered the burnt offering where it's all to God. For our sins. And then they offered the grain offering for the blessings of God. And then they offered the drink offering, the, the libation that represented the Spirit of God anew in our lives. And He said, I'm already being poured out. And you see, all those offerings were during a worship service. Death itself was a worship service for the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? Now, I'm going to tell y'all something. If I die before a bunch of y'all, I don't want one of these caskets down here. I don't want a bunch of moaning and groaning. I want y'all to have me a big old uh, party over there in the fellowship hall and have a meal and say hallelujah. He gone home. Now Elizabeth's going to cry a little bit. I don't know why. Well, she'll see me again. But you understand, I, I don't want all that. Yes, it's respectful. Yes, it helps the family do it. Yes, it helps friends do it. So if they have to do it, Brother Ronnie, let her do it. But when you get over there, you say, Do you remember how much that boy liked to eat? You have a party, okay? Chocolate pie, spaghetti, and some fried chicken. Woo! Because I know that that's what my mama's going to have when I get to heaven. Maybe some fried fish and deer meat and some other things. But see, it's an act of worship, and he's talking about being poured out. But see, it really spoke also of Paul's type of death. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm already being poured out. I'm facing death. As a Roman citizen, he could not be crucified. Church history tells us that Peter was crucified, even though he scared to death of it and denied Jesus three times and then was reinstated. He was crucified upside down. Because he wasn't able to do it, wasn't worthy to do it like his Savior. Paul couldn't be crucified. He's a Roman citizen. They took him out and lopped his head off. His life poured out. Just as it had poured out for Jesus for over 30 years. When you read about his life and all the churches he started, all the beatings that happened to him. You see, he did that with a proper view of death because of his relationship to Christ. Now hear me. You do say, well, I'm not ready to go today. I understand that. That's great. But are you ready to go if it happened today? You better make sure. Because if you're not ready today, you're not ready ever. I'm working on a sermon. I started to preach it today. And God said, no, get the one that you already got done. And it's one breath away from eternity because that's all we are. See, the last thing is this. We have a thrilling view of eternity. You see, we don't get a full picture of heaven, but we get glimpses. This is one of those glimpses. A thrilling view of eternity. He says, eternity in heaven will be a fuller encounter with the Lord. See, our walk with Jesus, our fellowship with Jesus makes life good, y'all. Come on. Y'all should be getting excited. You've not been fellowshipping with the Savior? Something wrong? Is that why you're frowning this morning? There's some smiles. You see, in the midst of the circumstances, that should make us give up. We don't give up. We have hope because we belong to Jesus. And we have a fuller view, a thrilling view of eternity. You see, even what we know now won't compare to what happens then. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, if you're taking notes. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain? Yes, it's gain. You see, he sees himself as already being rewarded because he said, On that day, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me the crown of life, the crown of righteousness. And not only to me only, but to everybody that has loved him. See, what Paul is saying is that eternity in heaven will be the victory that has eluded us. You see, we try, we struggle, sometimes we have a little skirmish here, we win, sometimes we lose. But see, on that day, the battle is ended, the victory is proclaimed. We walk in as overcomers, we walk in as victorious. Though, what is Sort of slipped through our fingers before is now firmly in our grasp. Eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. When he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come to the rest that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. Oh, glory. Some of y'all should have got Baptocostal on that. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, see me later and I'll explain it to you, okay? There we go. You see, it's the victory that has eluded us, and eternity in heaven will be the blessed assurance or blessed association with the saints. You see, that passage I read says that we won't precede those that have gone on before us, but they'll be caught up first, and then we'll be caught up if we don't die first. And thus, we will always be with the Lord. Comfort another one of these words. In other words, we're going to associate with the saints. Now, I hate to tell you this. I heard people say all the time, Oh, you're going to have angel wings. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that we're a little bit higher than, or lower than the angels. But we're higher because Jesus died for our sins. He didn't die to reclaim the angels that Amen. fell. We're saints. Amen. We should act like saints. We should look forward to being a saint. You don't even have to have gray hair to be a saint if you know Jesus. Matter of fact, you don't have to have hair at all. Okay. Thank you. But you understand, it's it's going to be that blessed association with the saints. He had worked tirelessly to bring people to Jesus. And and you know something? All those people are fellowshipping with Paul and and with one another and worshiping. I cannot imagine what a worship service in heaven is going to be like. Some of y'all are going to have to get with it. Okay? I know I am boring, but that day we're going to be singing songs to Jesus. A new song with thousands upon thousands from every tribe, every language. Think about that under heaven. If that don't give you goosebumps, hearing the seraphim singing back, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Hearing the ones uh, that have the new song in their hearts because they believe in Jesus and marching in with the white robes. Hallelujah, what a worship service. And you know, any good worship service is followed by a good meal. Right? Because it says we'll eat at the banquet table of our Lord. I I can't imagine. See, that early temple, all the instruments, silver was so common, all the instruments were gold. Gold is so common, the streets are paved with it. Okay? Can you imagine that? Have, Have gates on the city that are described as one pearl. Ladies, you you wear a pearl around your neck like that. You ain't moving. Think about it. And only that, no stars, no moon, no sun. Because God is with us and the light of his glory is a light better than anything we've ever seen. The one who could paint the skies that we enjoy so much in the morning and in the evening. His glory will shine on us. We'll feel the warmth of His love, not only here, but there, face to face. Have His name on us because we are His. That's a proper view of eternity. And don't worry, you don't have to play a harp and sit on a cloud and float around and be bored from what I could tell we're going to have responsibilities in heaven just like we had responsibilities down here it'd be work but I think they're going to call it something else because work down here involves drudgery and toil there's no drudgery and toil in heaven it's going to be sheer enjoyment you say well they won't do this or they won't do that no you won't do this or that somebody else will do this or that that you don't like you're going to have a job you enjoy hallelujah y'all it's a proper view of eternity, so we have a proper view of life, we have a proper view of death, we have a proper view of eternity if we realize what we're headed for, who we're living for. That we're faithfully live for Jesus in this life to prepare for the next life. Now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Are you faithfully living for Jesus? Some here have never accepted Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. And you have no idea what I'm talking about. You need to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, and I'll show you from Scripture how to do that. Some need to come in rededication because working for Jesus, living for Jesus, honestly, it's not your top priority. You've got things to do, families to raise, jobs to go to, and I want to tell you something, all that's to be under the Lordship of Christ. Some need to come and join this church by baptism or letter or statement, how we receive members. Some have other decisions. You have burdens that that are keeping you. You're so burdened down, they're keeping you from seeing life as it really is. You're seeing eternity for what it is for a Christian. You sort of lost your song, the joy of your salvation. And God wants to put it back there if you'll come to Him this morning. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and sing. And you come as God wants you to come. Father, this is holy time. It's your time because you're here. Thank you for allowing us in your presence. Thank you for allowing us to just take a brief look at your word. Now, Lord, let us obey what you'd have us to do today. For the glory of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.